Hey everybody, before we hop into this episode of The Growth Show, I just want to give you the heads up on a special offer for Growth Show listeners. Our annual inbound event is coming up in September, and if you've never been, you're missing out. Every year we host thousands of marketing and sales professionals from almost every industry imaginable and from all corners of the globe right here in Boston. Last year we had over 10,000 attendees. The year before that there was around 5,000. We're expecting an even bigger crowd than 10,000 this year. People like Ariana Huffington, Nate Silver, Malcolm Gladwell, Martha Stewart have all spoken in the past. This year we've already lined up Seth Godin, Daniel Pink, and Brene Brown. We'd love to see you there, and we're going to be doing some podcasts live from the event. Head over to inbound.com, and when you get your ticket, you can use the promo code GROSSHOW, all one word, and you can get $100 off. That's inbound.com. Use the promo code GROSSHOW and save 100 bucks. On this episode of The Growth Show, we talked to John and Jen Kimmich, the owners of The Alchemist Brewery. Although we have increased production 600% in the last three and a half years, our process hasn't changed. So we're still making small batch beer. Um, Our brewers still brew on a 15 barrel system. We just do four times as many brews and we blend them for our canning. So, you know, the, the scale, because even though we're scaling up, it's not so dramatic that we've had to change the process. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of The Growth Show. I'm Dave Gerhardt, and I'm joined today by John and Jen Kimmich. They're the owners of The Alchemist. You might best know them as the makers of a beer. Uh, Some people have called it liquid gold. I've heard it also called sacred beer, and it's also been called the greatest IPA uh, people have ever tasted, and that is Hetty Topper. So hey guys, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Um, So... Beer lovers will definitely know who you guys are, but if there's a few folks listening, maybe they're more wine people or maybe they just might not know, um, give us some background on who you guys are um, and what you're all about. Sure. Um, John and I opened up our our, our business 12 years ago, um, and we originally opened up as a brew pub, Seven Barrel Brewery in the village of Waterbury. Um, when I first met John back in 1995, he was the head brewer at the Vermont Pub and Brewery. Um, and at that time, I thought he was making phenomenal beer. He was really making a lot of IPA. You know, um, we fell in love. We got married shortly thereafter. For the first seven years of our marriage, mm-hmm. we worked countless jobs, worked on our business plan, and uh, opened up this brew pub. So that was kind of our ultimate goal. Right. Um, and that was in 2003. Um, eight years later, in early 2011, we had the idea to open up the small production brewery and we would can a double IPA. Um, and of course, we decided to can Hedy Topper. Um, at that point, we didn't think there were um, any good, fresh, unfiltered um, IPAs ready, readily available on the shelf. You know, there are a lot available in growlers or at pubs, but, you know, on the East Coast, we thought that that, that was really lacking. So we decided to put this beer, Hedy Topper, into a can. Um, and we knew it was already wildly popular. You know, people would line up at our pub when it went on tap. Um, but anyway, in January of 2011, we started building our small production brewery right up the road from our pub. And at that point, we planned on making 1,500 barrels of this beer a year. And we thought that would be just 
enough for the beer tourists to go and see our little brewery, grab a four pack and then come to our pub for the night. Um, we were just about to have our first cans roll off the line on August 30th of 2011 and tropical storm Irene came and it totally devastated our brew. I was, I was doing research last night and I was like, all right, there's so many places we could take this conversation. And I, I pulled this quote from a paper that was, it said, bad news for craft beer lovers. The alchemist isn't going to reopen. Um, and so I just, I thought that was crazy because here we are talking about, you know, we're interviewing you guys for a podcast called the growth show, which is all about the crazy growth of a business. And here's a headline four years ago saying how you guys had to shut down. Right. Yeah. It, you know, it, it was crazy. Um, and you know, we can talk more about the brew pub and how our beers evolved and everything else, but really, um, just trying to get to the storm that devastated our pub because at that point, that's what forced John and I to really refocus on our business and bring us to where we are today, which is the production of Hetty Topper. Yeah. Give us a, give a sense of how, how much, like how big you guys are today. Obviously, you know, you don't have to go into the, the revenue and all that stuff, but the last, the last one I saw was you guys are producing 45,000 cans a week. Well, we're producing 1900 cans a week. Actually now we're a little over 2000 can cases a week. Okay. There you um, go. So yeah, um, and, and that's over nine thousand barrels a year. Um, and it, just to put that into perspective, you know, the, the the most beer ever made in a year was like four hundred twenty barrels at the pub. You know, so for us, fifteen hundred barrels a year was a huge jump. Right. And and in these four years that we've had this uh, production brewery going, we've gone from fifteen hundred a year to nine thousand. So how do you, how do you how how do you scale so that how do you how do you scale that and keep the quality the same like was that a concern for you guys like hey we're gonna we're gonna start growing this thing but we want we got to keep the quality so high. Well, that's I mean that's the basis of our entire business is focusing on quality and I mean I am certainly obsess obsessive compulsive when it comes to our beer and that's important you know it's important to us. And I feel that that's a big part of what's going on. And, you know, there's a lot of breweries out there that say they have attention to detail, but I don't believe it because I taste one after another that grows and expands and then you get their beer and it's just not what it used to be. And I will never, I can never have somebody say that about us. In addition to that, um, although we have increased production 600% in the last three and a half years, our process hasn't changed. So we're still making small batch beer. Um, our brewers still brew on a 15 barrel system. We just do four times as many brews and we blend them for our canning. So, you know, the, the scale, because even though we're scaling up, it's not so dramatic that we've had to change the process. Can you talk about the the distribution strategy a little bit? Because I think the the one thing that people that might not listening um, might that are listening might not really know is um, how limited the distribution is. This thing is only you guys are only distributing within a twenty mile radius. Um, talk about that decision and 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 kind of what what that looks like today. You know, I just I don't think it's really a strategy. It's um, reality. It's reality. You know, our retailers run out of beer the day they receive it. Um, 
so why would we expand distribution? It, it would just be, it would be really a silly thing. You know, our local retailers want more. They ask for more every week. So, you know, it's not so much a strategy, but us taking the, the path that just makes sense. And I know there's, there's all these crazy stories about the things that people have done to get their, their hands on, on Hetty Topper. Um, wasn't there a story like, you guys, you kind of, you knew you were onto something because you caught somebody like that was stealing and reselling the beer online or something. Yeah, that's a story we've told many times. There was a guy that would, he was trading um, bottles online for other beers, and he was he was saying, "I have Hetty Topper to trade," and it's in twenty-two ounce bottles filled by the brewer, and I bought them at the brewery. And when we caught wind of that, um, I used connections and friends that were also um, members of Beer Advocate and were in the trading world. And I was able to find out who the guy was. And he was in the pub one night and I confronted him and it was extremely satisfying because the guy <laughs> was shaking in his boots. I'm sure. Um, but it was, uh, it was ridiculous because here he was misrepresenting us, right. saying that I filled that bottle he was taking our artwork off of our website and making fake labels and labeling it, pouring it into the bottle in the bathroom, putting a cap on it, going home, putting a label on it, and then trading it as having been filled by me. Man. How, how, so, do you, how do you keep an eye on that stuff today? Like now that you guys have grown into this huge popular thing, is there somebody that's like watching that stuff full time? Well, no, I mean, all that stuff's out of our hand. All we can do is guarantee that if you were buying your heady topper from one of our authorized dealers you are getting it in absolute pristine condition it has been handled by us we've gotten it to that account we have gotten it into the coolers in perfect condition they continue to keep it in perfect condition until they sell it but the moment it walks out the door we have no control but our over the years, we've we make a great effort to educate people as to why you have to show such care when handling our beer. You know, we're battling decades of of uh, the notion that you can buy beer off a shelf warm and keep it warm, and it's going to be just fine. So we have been fighting up that stream for years just trying to educate people so they realize that that is not the case when you're talking about beer like ours. Right. So it you, has to be handled properly. And if you don't, you're, you're cheating yourself. And it's a, it's a challenge, but people come around and they understand. And when we did have retail, you know, people showed up with, with coolers and they were ready to go. And it was, they carried the coolers in. So they put that beer out of our cooler into their cooler took it home got it in their fridge and took care of it right and you know there's still you'll read reviews sometimes and people say oh it's not all it's cracked up to be it's not that good and yet they'll be like from texas or they'll be from arizona and so you just kind of ignore it because quite obviously what happened was whoever mailed that beer to them cheaped out and let it get warm and then, you know, it's it's a gamble if you buy it like that. But if you buy it from one of our guys, there's no gamble. You were getting it perfect, and it wouldn't be out the door if it wasn't perfect. Yeah, I think if, if you've ever had it ice cold off the truck, I don't think you're going to be saying the, what the folks from Arizona and Texas are saying. 
Exactly. Uh, what? So, so, so one of the things that we talk about a lot, uh, we talked to a lot of brands on this podcast, but all the different ways that they've grown. Um, we had a company on and, and one of the executives was talking about this whole idea that I wanted to ask you guys about, which is um, the importance of you'd rather have a hundred people that love you and are raving loyal fans than just a thousand people who kind of know who you are and kind of like you. And that seems like it's something that, that plays into your business a little bit. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we've ever even thought about it like that. We, we just do what we do. And, and I make beer to my standards. And I hope that people appreciate the effort. So really, that's, I mean, every, everything, all the success that has come to us in the end of the day <clears throat> is what comes mm -hmm. out of that can and into their mouth. It doesn't matter what the can looks like. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter what anybody told, told them up until that point. All that matters is when they open that can, does it taste like something that they have never had before, something that they really love? So you don't you don't ever have a temptation to expand. You have a great thing going where you're at, and that's that's kind of where you want to stick to. Well, you know, I mean, we're building a, a new brewery right now, um, but we're not going to be making more heady topper. We've decided that nine thousand barrels a year of heady topper is plenty, and we have other things that we want to do. So this new brewery. Um, as beautiful and as modern and as awesome as it's going to be, we're still only going to be making an additional 9,000 barrels a year. So we'll, we'll be doubling our, our production, but it's going to be with other brands. Right. And and so talk about... Be small batch. Yeah. Fresh. You know, lots of IPAs. Is is that is that like intimidating to, to have a brand that's so well known for one specific type of beer and then to, to roll out you know, new beers, is, is it is it intimidating that, that you know, you have this amazing thing no. and you've set such a high bar? No. I mean, we're, we wouldn't be in the business if we weren't confident in our talents. And, you know, we, I had a pub for eight plus years putting 60, 70 different types of beer out on a consistent basis. And, I mean, that's how we built our reputation. So... It's funny. We'll get some people be like, "Oh, do you have you ever do you make any other beers?" And you just kind of chuckle, and it's like, you know. So this is somebody that is so new to craft beer that they don't even know our history. Right. All they know of us is Hattie Topper. So, right. no, I mean, because every beer we put out is going to be great. So we just don't sweat it, and we know what people want. And it's generally we found that what people want is what we want, and we just continue with that. And really, our pub was wildly popular for eight years, and we rarely had Hetty Topper on tap. It wasn't about Hetty Topper. You know, it was about our Holy Cow IPA and our Stouts and our Porters and all the Belgian-style ales John made. Did, did you? So did you guys have to do any marketing? Like, uh, did, are you doing any marketing and promotion, or is this something that, like, people knew who you were, that you produced these great quality beers, and you didn't have to worry about the promotion side of it? Well, the pub really, we built our brand for eight years at the pub. We did not advertise at all because we were always so busy, um, but we would do unique marketing, whether it was, you know, social media or free stickers. Um, 
and we would always um, give back to the community. We always said, boy, instead of spending $1,500 on this newspaper ad, let's give it to, you know, the, the Boy Scouts, you know, and, and, and that was really our local marketing. We were really focused on our local community. And I will say for those eight years we had our pub, we always said, if we focus on our local community, the rest will follow. And that's really what we did. We never set out to have um, beer tourists traveling from Massachusetts or New Hampshire. Um, but that, of course, did happen and it became a bit overwhelming. Um, today, we still don't advertise at all, um, but we do do some unique marketing stuff. Again, you know, we have a videographer, we make videos and we have social media and we do stickers and tattoos and things like that, but we don't advertise at all. Has anything changed for you guys from a from like a how you're running the business and management perspective? Like, was that an adjustment to, you know, make a good living running a, a, a pub that everybody liked to all of a sudden this brand that people are just clamoring to get their hands on? Like, have you had to change anything? I, think, I don't think we've changed anything. We just keep doing what we do. You know, our, we've carried the same philosophies throughout the entire process. And... You know, you, we still have the same number of employees, pretty much that we had at the pub. We just have a different business. It's it's calmer. It's more consistent. You don't deal with a restaurant, which is a nightmare. You know, it's a it's like having a crying baby twenty four seven. And so, being in this industry now, to be able to to morph into a production brewery. To us, you know, whereas some people may find that stressful, it's like compared to running a restaurant that is mm-hmm. not stressful. Yeah. And uh, and so, no, I mean, for us, yeah, it, it's changed. We have a, a much better lifestyle now than we ever did as a restaurant because we have free time. We have evenings. We're not working until midnight at a bar. Mm-hmm. We're home every afternoon when our son gets home from school. And that kind of stuff is priceless. I mean, that's, isn't that the goal for anybody that works, yep. you know, to, to be able to work, work, work smarter and not necessarily harder. Yep. So, you know, we feel like we're just hitting our stride now. And so when an opportunity presents itself to make another 24 jobs and to do something that will have a, a very long-term lasting impact on our hometown stove you know we'd be crazy to not do it we could we have such an opportunity in our hands you know we could say oh this is fine we're just gonna cruise and this is what we'll do and Hetty will always be awesome and this is what we do but once that retail room got taken away you know you quickly realize you you miss completely <clears throat> the social interaction with your customer base and and as crazy and as borderline um, hectic as it can get when you have people coming in all the time that you're you're on you know they they see me they see jen they want to talk to us and stuff like that so that side of it gets difficult but the the good side is you get to see these people and the the light in their eyes when they are just so thrilled and you just made their entire trip because they made it in to, to buy our beer. So, you know, that's a that's the big driver for us. We, we just see the opportunity. We see what we've created. 
and we see how much more we can do um, in the world of charity, you know, uh, it, it, and it's not, it's not a charity toward our employees to be able to create quality jobs is like the most satisfying part of the process, I think, even more so than being recognized as making a, a great beer. It's the idea that we have 24 people that have like real careers and real futures and retirement packages and healthcare and and I mean the 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 spider web of impact around us mm. to be able to expand that and and have that much of a positive impact on another 20 people why wouldn't we wouldn't it, it would be so selfish of us to uh to just sit on our laurels and and do what we do now yeah, that's that's really well said. That's, that's, yeah, that's really what drives us now. We spend a lot of time thinking about it, you know, the why, the what ifs, and that's the driver, creating more jobs and having more resources to give back to the community, keep building our foundation. And It's exciting stuff. And we're very fortunate because throughout all these years, Jen and I have done all of this ourselves. We don't have investors. We don't have anybody putting their input into the direction of our business. And so we can do those things. We don't have 20 investors that are clamoring for profits that say, you need to make more beer because we want more money. To us, it's like, if we're going to make more beer and have more money, look at what we can do with that money. We don't need that money, but people do. So let's start giving it away, you know. So it's a it's a really cool position to be in, and it, I think it's a very rare position to be in. Um, and we're privileged to to be in that position. We're we are unbelievably fortunate. With as hard as we work, and as much as we've sacrificed, and as much as we are focused on what we're doing, at the end of the day, we are extremely fortunate in the grand scheme of things to even be able to, to ponder these things. All right. So I want to wrap up with this uh, little nugget, you know, have to ask you guys because you're experts and a lot of people outside of learning about business and entrepreneurship, we'd like to leave them with a, a little nugget of something. So um, if there's people that are listening that are brewing their own beer at home or, or just, you know, interested in it, uh, give us one or two tips. What's one or two things they can do so they will make a better batch of beer next time? Don't believe your friends that tell you your beer is great. Because <laughs> they're all telling you that because you're making them free beer. And uh, and I don't know, water. do you have one, Jen? <laughs> your wa water treatment. Well, I mean, yeah, I could get yeah. into some geeky response about process and how to brew beer, but really it's, uh, I think there's so many people that, I don't know, I, I think especially with the, now I'm going to sound old, with the younger generation of, of uh, everyone gets a trophy, participation trophy, Yep. always getting patted on your back and being told that you're special and wonderful, don't believe it. You know, <laughs> if, you're, you need, if your beer tastes well. like crap, they you need, need to know. 
Well, yeah. you do need to know, and when and you know, and people will bring me beer, and they'll say, "Can you taste it and tell me what you think?" And before I even taste it, I say, "If you're gonna hand this to me and you're gonna ask me, please be prepared to hear the truth." You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you it's great just to shine you on. If it tastes like shit, I'm gonna tell you it does. Yep. And it's funny because I just, I just had a guy like that. He had sent me beer over a year ago. And uh, and then he touched base recently and said, oh, I don't know if you remember me, but did you ever try that beer? And here was the moment that I'd been dreading. It's like, all right, well, oh, boy, here we go. And I responded to him and, and told him how it was. <laughs> and, you know, it probably wasn't the easiest thing to read, but his response, he came back. He said, thanks. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get I'm going back to the drawing board. And so, you know, good. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the on the show. Um, if anybody wants to go find out more about Alchemist, where can they go? Just go to our website, alchemistbeer.com. It has anything and everything you need to know about us. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Growth Show. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to learn more about the show, get a sneak peek at upcoming guests, Uh, you can head over to thegrowthshow.com. I'm Dave Gerhardt, and we'll talk to you again soon.